Welcome to the Make It a Great Day movement where we're making suicide a thing of the past. And yes, you're on the show. And I am right here. I'm your host. I'm Jackie Simmons. And I'm the co-founder of the Make It a Great Day movement and the founder of the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. And you'll hear more about my story as you participate in this amazing event that we have going on. I want to introduce you to someone. This is the person who I met at a time when I had no idea that this mission was going to come into my life. And he said, we'll get to know each other later. I had no idea how prophetic that would be. I met him again a year later at the same event. And a year later, my mission had started. And when we decided to do the show, and Neil said, of course I will. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to the happiness formula creator. This man is amazing. So Anil, go ahead and unmute and turn. Yeah, there we go. We see you. So unmute yourself, darling. There you go. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to serve. Um, how should we start? Well, I think we could start by you just telling the story of the red heart on your shirt. Okay. So um, I really have no dress sense. So whenever I leave the house, my wife would say, are you going out like that? And I looked down, I said, yeah. She said, no, you're not. <laughs> so she would dress me. And I thought, I can't be doing this. I'm almost a grown man. So I thought, what else could I do? Well, I could wear one color, black. Well, great. And I thought, that's a bit boring. And what do I represent? I represent love. So what, what should I do? You know, how about wearing a red heart on your, on your sleeve? And I thought, well, yeah, okay, but that's a bit boring too. Why not wear it on the front of the shirt? Well, you know, no one's ever done that. So I thought, well, let's try it. So I, I, I got some shirts printed. There was a minimum of 12. And then I thought, wow, these look interesting. And then I took some photos with people and they really popped out. So for the last, I think, six years now, five or six years, I've worn the same shirt. And I'm glad we don't have smelly vision. Otherwise, you'd <laughs> realize that I only have one shirt. Yeah, you just have a dozen of them. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. The journey that you went on to come to a place where you do happiness. I mean, this is what you do. You do happiness. You know, you've stood on stages. You've met with amazing people. But you didn't start out that way. No. Well, I was actually suicidal in 2008. I'd lost everything on the stock market, real estate. Uh, we'd lost the house, the car, the uh, student uh, savings, everything. And uh, I had to tell my wife. And uh, she looked up at me and said, um, I knew something was wrong. You were behaving differently. But I thought it was something serious. And she said, and I said, well, this is serious. She says, no, you don't understand. I thought you were dying. I thought you had cancer. I don't care about the money. And from that day onwards, everything changed. So even though you may be in a very difficult dis uh, position, you know, life may be getting you down, things are very tough. Always know that there is a, a better day, that this too shall pass. And that, you know, from there, I, I, I was able to do many things which I would not have been able to do if I hadn't gone through that adversity. So adversity is your friend. So don't worry about that you're going through a difficult time. 
focus on what's your greatness, what's your gift, how can you serve other people. In the moment you give authentically, all the pain and suffering will disappear, I promise you. That's a really interesting point. The moment you give. One of the big things that I'm seeing is that people are struggling to give to themselves. What was the first thing that you gave to yourself or gave back to yourself after that moment, that conversation with your wife? Because that was certainly a conversation that mattered. Yeah. So, you know, I gave myself the gift of not beating myself up. Yes. Emotionally and physically. And the greatest gift I gave was to give to others. In the moment you give and you give authentically, you get the gift back because you feel good. And everything that we do as human beings is for a feeling. So that was the gift for me and for others. So everyone benefited. Everyone benefits. I love that. And I love that about you. And Neil, when did it shift for you? I mean, giving back is one thing. Focusing on happiness is something else. When did you shift your attention to happiness? Well, it was, a, it was a, 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 a gradual progression. As I spoke more and more, I had to find a, a topic that I could speak on. And I, and I realized that, you know, I'd gone from a place of very deep sadness to a great place of joy. And I even was able to develop a formula for this, which is happiness is equal to G cubed. And, you know, if you follow this formula, everything works out for you. All right. Happiness is equal to G cubed. Yes. So the first G is you have to give your time, your energy, your love, your commitment, your joy, your gift. Give it away, not wanting anything in return. The second G is you have to be grateful for what you have and don't focus on what you don't have. So a lot of people are focusing on the things that are not working in their lives, the loss of income, the loss of security, the loss of money, that a lot of losses. So don't focus on that. Focus on the things you have left, your health, your friendships, your relationships. And that will help you because mm -hmm. that's how I measure a man's wealth, what he has left when you take away all his possessions. All right. So give in gratitude. What's the third G? The third G is you have to grow emotionally, physically, spiritually, and mentally. Now, the beautiful thing about this formula is this, whenever you're upset, one of those levels of those three Gs is below the rest. All you have to do is focus on the lowest G. Ah, there we go. Because when you're upset, you get overwhelmed. But this will give you clarity. Once you have the clarity just to focus on one part of your life, you can get immediate results and then you don't get overwhelmed. So a lot of people are really quite overwhelmed at the moment. Oh, well, this is absolutely true. So we have over the course of this series, we're going to be doing a lot of conversation around cures for overwhelm, prevention of overwhelm, because you're right. And what we know to be true is when people make a decision that there's no way out, that shift into hopelessness, the one fastest cure, you're right, is absolutely any one of these three. Because as soon as you're focused on one of these, they're all actions. They're all a shift in, in you know, even gratitude, writing it down. You know, it uses a muscle. So 
I love that. And coming out of overwhelm is certainly, certainly important. It is a choice. But if you don't know you've got a choice, you can't make a choice. So the three Gs give you something to choose from, no matter how overwhelmed you are. You can do one of those three. What's your favorite way to grow? My favorite way to grow would be uh, cantations. Cantations? Yeah, I, I can. Yeah, oh. I call it I cantations. I cantations. I love it. Yeah. So I am strong. I'm powerful. I'm bigger than this. I can handle this. This is my life. I'm here to make a difference. Today's the day. It's not about me. It's about the difference I make. Today's the day. I will seize the day. I will change many lives today. I got this. I know what I'm doing. I have a mission. I have a purpose. I can do this. I must do this. It's not about me. I am powerful. I'm strong. I'm knowledgeable. I'm a gift to the world. Something like that. And you can do it in your own words. Something like that. That's lovely. And it's yeah. amazing. It, it is. And all you have to do is put systems in place. So if everybody look at your hands. Okay. When was, when was the last time you thanked them? Probably a while. What have they done for you? Everything. So these are the things you, get to, you take for granted. At the moment, I've got very bad toothache mm-hmm. and you know I'm, t- I'm taking my teeth for granted now I'm not and it could be a lot worse a friend of mine is in hospital and uh, he's going through a, a tough time and I think would you like to swap with him no I wouldn't so even though you may be in pain physical pain and emotional pain know that there's a, a, a cure there's some relief around the corner and remember this too shall pass oh it's all temporary Yes. And that's the biggest challenge. That's the biggest challenge. And that's why we're seeing such an uptick is people are, have stopped believing that this too shall pass. They're afraid they're going to be stuck here. And the fear keeps them stuck in a thinking cycle. So I love the simplicity of the G cubed in that any one of those will help break that cycle of hope. Yes. Yeah. So that's cool. Now you were talking and I was trying to take notes and I missed something. And it was right before you were talking about for granted, you were saying something else. And it was another one of those things that we fall into, but that it's not helpful. And so hopefully somebody's taking good notes. I'll be watching the recording. Um, all right. So for granted, that's your favorite way to give favorite way to give gratitude I loved your I can statements. So favorite way to grow, favorite way to grow is it's I can's. And a lot of those were gratitude. What about give? What's your favorite way to give? Give is, is really to coach people. You know, I can transform someone's life in a few minutes. And that's the greatest thing from, you know, I, I had a coaching client the other day. Her relationship with her daughter was two out of 10. After one session, it became eight out of 10. Oh, and that's now, a beautiful like thing. Yeah, that's, we like that kind of progress. Yeah, because especially with teenagers, you never know uh, what their mindset is. You know, all it needs is a few minutes of stupidity and they may, you know, try and commit suicide. The only reason a person commits suicide is because they don't see or feel self-worth. If you can make them feel worthy and loved, they'll never do it. And the other thing that's important is, do you know what the difference between pain and suffering is? What's the difference between pain and suffering? So pain is temporary. Mm. Suffering is permanent. So you said something very powerful earlier on. 
when people feel that the pain is not going to go, that leads into suffering. But if it's like this toothache, I know it's going to go today, tomorrow, next week. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to suffer over it, although I'm in a great deal of pain. So when you're suffering, it's permanent. When it's pain, it's temporary. That's really important. Um, and, and it's not where I thought you were going to go because, you know, I've heard people say, you know, pain happens, but suffering about it is a choice and things like that. And why, if we knew we could choose, why would we choose suffering? So you bypass that whole conversation in the head and just go, suffering is permanent. Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do anything permanent in my world pretty much yeah. other than be happy. Um, which is why when um, one of your clients, as a matter of fact, recommended that I contact you about speaking and I was super happy for that connection. <laughs> and Neil, what does a, just to give context, what does a two out of 10 relationship with a teenager look like? What would be the observable through the window appearance of that? Okay, so, um, you know, there's negative talk back there's a, a answering back, there's a, a rebelliousness, there's a constant fights, mm. there's constant upsets, there's a, a, a moodiness, a, a sultry feeling, uh, an ambivalence, uh, rolling of the eyes, uh, <laughs> no communication, inauthentic communication. All right, so anybody watching this, if you've ever had that experience with a teen, raise your hand. You can digitally raise your hand by clicking on the participants button and you'll see the little hand sign. But if you've ever had that experience, oh, I see hands, okay. <laughs> All right, so a two out of 10 actually sounds like what most people call normal with a teenager. Well, you know, the biggest problem that people make with teenagers, you know what it is? No. parents make mm -mm. they expect the child to come into the adult world that's the biggest mistake you have to get into the child's world see what they're seeing experience what they're experiencing all the difficulties all the traumas all the tribulations mm -hmm. all the problems that they're facing and connect with them that way if you expect them and because of the past that's what you did things have changed and if you bring that expectation to them, it'll always cause an upset, always. Mm-hmm. Got it. Always cause an upset if you're seeing the world through your eyes and not through their eyes. You know, that's actually a really big key in any communication, not just with teens, not just with kids, but what would your life look like if you were talking to people through their eyes, if you could see the world the way they see it? And then get permission to share the world as you see it with them. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. that authentic communication. I, I can show you this and you say, what, what do you see? I see, I see a black screen. Yeah. Or I see black, but I see, I see a screen. So I see this. Uh -huh. So it's the same thing. But, you know, but coming from a different viewpoint, if, if I came around and said, oh, yeah, I, I see what you see. I, I didn't know that. So, and, and then it gives you the peace and joy to communicate at a much different level. And then you don't have to react. And that's what, what another pe uh, piece of the two out of 10 is that everyone is reacting. You know, okay. when you react, it, it, it causes inflammation, it causes upset, it causes big fights, and it causes, you know, family rifts. And uh, 
you know, there's huge dynamics involved with that. All right, so we know what a two out of 10 looks like. Huge dynamics, lots of rift causing reactions. What does an eight out of 10 look like? What did she notice that changed? Um, she would, um, uh, the child would just do chores without asking, uh, would thank her mom, would hug her, would talk to her nicely, would play with her, be playful, uh, not answer back, uh, you know, talk in a, in a beautiful way. Uh, and just just be happy. So were you working with the mom or working with the teen? The mom. It's always the most important thing is the mom. We will get the teen on later and then, you know, get it from an 8 out of 10 to a 12 out of 10. Okay. You guys don't have to raise your hands for this, but how many of you have spent your time trying to change the other person? You do that in marriages. Oh, yeah, and they made a great play. I love you, you're perfect. Now change. Yeah, <laughs> the great little collection of vignettes. The truth is that we do that in relationships. We accept people for who they are, but often we fall in love with who we think they can become. And with well, our we, kids, we don't actually accept them. Yeah. You know, and this is a classic mistake. Sorry to interrupt you, but this is a classic mistake people make say, oh, you know what, I'll make a change. But it's normally the women who think they can change their man. And that's not the way to go because if, if uh, you try and do that, you're not marrying the same person. Oh, men do it too. But you men do it too. You yes. said normally. Yeah. yeah. Um, men do it too. World, oh, by the way, in my world, normal is a setting on the washing machine. <laughs> it does not exist in human relationships. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. Yeah, but, but yeah, this is the most important conversation we can have because the value of recognizing the only person that you can change is the one that's inside the human suit with you. You know, and there's two of you in there. There's the one who's living and then there's the one who's observing the living, but we don't have good conversations there for the most part. When the mom got this idea that she could shift how she... What did she shift? Did she shift how she interacted with her daughter? Did she shift how she thought about her daughter? Did she, what did she shift? Well, uh, one was how she thought about the daughter. Two is how she spoke to the daughter. Three, how she asked her daughter to do things. Ah. You know, the tone is important. And, you know, focus on the day that she was born. What did you decide to do when the day was, she was born? You would do anything for her. Now you're expecting something in return. And that's where the expectations <laughs> come in. That's where the attachments come in. And that's where the judgment comes in. When you judge someone in that moment, you cannot love them. It's impossible. All right. So we're going to assume that's a negative judgment, that you're not judging what they're doing is wonderful. And so if you're negatively judging someone, you cannot love them at the same time. Now, that's an interesting thing. Now, we're go I'm going to pick it apart because I could be judging the behavior as unsafe, but that's not the kind of judgment I think you're talking about. What kind of things fall into negative judgment in your world? Oh, you're, you're lazy. You're good for nothing. Okay. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. But, you know, if someone's getting in harm's way, you're not judging. You're observing and taking action. You know, you're not saying, oh, they're a bad person. 
you know, okay. or are, are they stupid? Why would they do that? You don't. You say, okay, my child is going to the fire. I have to stop that. You're not judging the child for doing it. Now we're getting much more clear. Thank you. Because it is the judgment about who they are as a person that's harmful. Yes. So we're, we're talking about that kind of a judgment. You were right when you said the self-harm comes in with a low self-worth. And that is also a judgment about who I am as a person. Indeed. Yes. I think it's probably the first form of violence that I want the whole series to address is this internal bully, the one that judges ourselves as not being good enough and having this um, some kind of flaw. On the journey with the mom, did she have to address any of that for herself? Or did all she have to do was address how she was interacting with her daughter and how she was thinking about her daughter? Well, uh, there was some stuff we had to do with her. Uh, you know, ask her what, what, what was her commitment? What does she want from the child? And I ask her, what do you want from the child? She said, look, I, I want her to be happy. And I said, look, you know, the, the actions you're doing aren't making her happy, are they? She said, no. Do you think it's going to get better or worse? No. So what do you have to change? For your life to change, you have to change. And when you change, everybody else around you changes. And said, look, this isn't about your daughter. This is about you. Mm. You know, the last thing you want, you know, we caught it early. She's 13. But when she's 14, 15, 16, she's going to pick a boyfriend that she knows that you will not like. And just despite you. And believe me, they'll, they'll do that. She'll marry someone if you don't approve of them. But if you approve of them, they won't, they won't go near them. You know, it's a funny thing about that particular dynamic. Um, there might be a few of us on here who have had uh, experiences that resemble that remark. So when you shift this one idea of if you want someone to be happy, if you love them and you want them to be happy, then look at what are you thinking about them? What are you judging them? You know, what, what if? My favorite way to judge people now is to assume, which is another way of judging, assume that they are creative, capable, and resourceful, enough to manage their own life if they're an adult, and enough to learn to manage their own life if they're a child. But it is that assumption that first had to apply to me. How do you get people to apply this to themselves? Because we're almost always talking about other people. If only they would, then I could. You know, if only they would do their chores, I could get my work done. If only I could. You know, it's a common conversation. What do you shift in that? Okay, so let's look at, you know, the, the chores came up. Mm -hmm. So one of the chores was to do the dishes. And I said, you know, how long would it take you to do the dishes? She said about 10 minutes. I said, so if your daughter doesn't do the dishes, how long are you going to stay upset for? She said, well, quite a while. And how much... Can you love her in that moment? Well, not a lot. And does it affect your mood in other areas? Yeah, because, you know, she'll do something and it'll trigger me. I say, look, you, you've cleaned her poop. You, you've doted over her. You stayed up all night for her. Now you can't spend 10 minutes doing the dishes. Just let it go. It's not that important. You know, uh, because it's affecting your health. The cost to you is it's a loss of love, loss of energy, anxiety, and it's affecting your seven-year-old. She's learning some stuff. Mm. Uh, and it's affecting your relationship with your husband. So there's, a, there's a, a, a deep connection to everything. 
Wow. So there's this part of my brain that says, but, but, but aren't we supposed to help them become responsible adults and know how to have life skills like doing dishes? Well, what do you think the parent's job is? What? Well, I used to think that the parent's job was to provide a stable home environment, you know, basics. Um, and then I was raised by my parents, the army drill sergeant and the school teacher, son of a preaching man and coal miner's daughter born in 1929 in Appalachia. So they had their stuff that they brought in to the world that I was raised in. And behavior control was one of the things that they were a big proponent of, um, especially no one could be mad except for them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't even know what a parent's job is. And thank God my kids survived. You know, they're now adults. So what's a parent's job? Put me out of my misery here. Okay. Their job is to throw adversity at their children that they can reasonably handle so that they can handle life situations later on. Their job is to throw adversity at their children that they can handle. Boy, now there's a judgment call. Okay. And, and that's so they can build their adversity muscles. You're trying to tell me that doing dishes is not an adversity. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, this is what human beings do. We coddle our children. In nature, this is what they do. Oh, good okay? point. Okay. Okay. So by you teaching them adversity, it, it, it allows them to love you because they want to, not because they have to. Do, doing the dishes is not a problem, but... The way she's, she's been handling it has been the problem. My daughter does the dishes now. She's 27. You know, they, they do stuff, you know, because we talk to them nicely. Say, hey, look, your mother's been doing this. Would you, would you mind helping her? Yeah. So you, you have to inspire them and not tell them to do. You have to explain to them. And by throwing adversity at them later on in life, when they have an adversity, they're ready for it. Kids nowadays are entitled. They're not ready for adversity. They give up. Bingo. They're not ready for adversity and they give up. Absolutely. I think that's behind the startling numbers that launched this whole Make It a Great Day movement. Um, the, the mission got launched when I learned that 3,000 teens were attempting to take their own lives every day. And that's just oh. in the US. And that's just the ones who don't die. And that was before we came into this pandemic world. Now the numbers are escalating. And you're right. If we're struggling with this concept of shift and change, our kids are not only dealing with their shift and change, but they're having to deal with ours. So I so appreciate your perspective on this because if we give them the, the opportunity you know, we didn't walk for them when they were six months old and they were trying to stand up and hold on to furniture. We didn't do it for them then. No. But somewhere we started doing more and more for our kids because I saw it in how I parented. I've certainly seen it a lot. There's a lot of conversation about something called helicopter parenting. And I didn't know what that meant until I took my grandsons to the playground. 
we were in Maryland. It was warm for the, we were there in December and it was really warm. And I took them to the, the younger two. The older one was like <clears throat> above that. You know how that is when they're around 14. Yeah. So the 12 and 10, we went out into the playground to run around and I'm watching parents with their kids and two kids at the bottom of a ladder for the slide. And parents in my day, we would have been over at a picnic table having grown-up talk and let the kids just play. But the parents were all standing around the edge, rushing over, not letting the kids figure it out. And I'm like, holy crap, how is this child going to negotiate a contract as an adult? You know, that's a basic life skill for me. How are they going to negotiate to buy a car? They can't even negotiate who's going to go first up the ladder for a slide. So helping the parents get here where they can handle handing adversity to their children. Because I will tell you, if you told me that was my job as a parent, I'd have said, no, we're going to have to rewrite the job description. I do not want to hand my kids adversity. And what's happened is that life has handed them adversity. And now yep. we've had to go into this whole kind of retraining the skills that they didn't get from me growing up because I did not know that this was the job description of a parent. Yeah. Ooh. All right. I got good news for all the parents. Kids survive it. And it's never too late. So you have a gift for everybody. And before we go into questions, because people can start popping questions, but not yet, people. Don't pop questions. I want to give you a gift. This is... A first step, the happy test, my happy test. Cool. I got, I got it spelled right. Yes. All right. Yes. So tell them about the my happy test and how this will help them get started on this journey. Well, we never know how happy we really are. So if you take the test, myhappytest.com, you'll get a numerical score and you'll get a detailed breakdown of the areas of your life that need attention. There's many videos, there's many tools. And if you just work on one of them, your score will rise. It's an incredible tool and you can retake it after two months. You can retake it after six months and you can check your progress. You, you can take it with your partner. If your partner scores 62 and you're 47, there's something wrong somewhere. So that gives you an awareness. This is what people need, awareness. Awareness gives you clarity. Clarity gives you focus. Focus gives you action. Action gives you results. Results gives you momentum. Momentum gives you everything. You cannot be joyous. You cannot be successful. You cannot be in love without awareness. Okay. So now say that list again a little bit slower. I've got somebody in the background taking notes. I'm not going to try to type this up. But awareness was first. What was second? No, I have it typed out here. I'm going to oh. give it to you. Awesome. All right. Awareness gives you clarity. Yes. Okay. Clarity gives you focus. Yeah. I heard that one. I loved that. Oh, there we go. Okay. Focus gives you action. Yeah. Action gives you results. Results gives you momentum. Momentum gives you everything. All right. So I'm going to copy that and send it out to everybody. No, I'm not. I'm going to say I'm going to do a race. First person who raises their hand gets the list. So there we go. Well, it'll make me happy because I like games. Oh, by the way, if you've never been on a summit or a show with me, hey, Paula, you win. All right. So I am sending this list to Paula. And then if you stick around, I'll give it to everybody. So there we go. Paula won. Boom. 
You got it, Paula. Um, and everybody else later. You're going to have to wait till the end. So that's what you get for being fast on the hands. This is important. And what we can do with all of this is just say thank you, and Neil, for bringing it to our attention because I'm a firm believer that awareness is the key to any change. So we're starting at exactly the same point. I hadn't given a lot of thought to momentum. And you're absolutely right. The awareness of the problem and the problem that specifically I've set up the Teen Suicide Prevention Society to address, I became aware of it. And with that awareness came clarity. The clarity was that I was the right person for the job, that there was a huge gap because everything was focused, all of the um, information was focused to be accessible once you knew there was a problem. And it's a small fraction of the population that has the awareness that they're at risk for suicide or that their child is at risk for suicide. It's a very tiny fraction of the population that's actually getting the information. So we got really focused on the 95%. Our whole goal is not to go where everybody else is when you're at risk and you know you're at risk, but to look at how do we help you help your children deal with adversity? Great word. Mm. So that they don't sell themselves on suicide being the best option. And that's what we're seeing happen. And so that's was our focus. So I love this. We got into action. We did a book. We got some results. And then we started the movement. And yeah, now we've got momentum because of that, which is why this whole show came about. So... Everything in my life had to change to come into this world. And so I love this lineup that you have. I don't see anything missing. <laughs> and I usually go look at you. What, what else is there? This is beautiful. Your awareness that there was something more important than money in your conversation with your wife gave you a very different look at your life and changed your focus. You live this, Anil. And that was what I know about you from the first moment that I met you, was this sense of absolute peace, that you were just at home in the world, at home in your body. The results that you've seen, I mean, before 2008, you were invested, you were in real estate, you were saving for your college, kids college, etc. After that shift, what do you do now? I know you coach and you create happiness tests. What else do you do? Um, I've, I've did the formula. I've uh, coached people like Mike Tyson. I've been on Richard Branson's Island. He's been to my uh, event. Um, I just met the Dalai Lama. We were supposed to re-meet him in April. That, that got delayed. Mm. Um, I speak all over the world. Um, 19 countries, eight languages. My work has been translated. I'm on a mission to reach a billion people. And really the awareness gives you that clarity so that, you know, you, you realize that you, you are here and people love you. The day that you were born brought many, much joy to many people. And if you could go back to that day and say, yes, I, I am worthy, 
and you know that worthiness will will spark a greatness inside of you uh, that you have a gift to share. Actually, I have an exercise that could pick up people who are suicidal. All right. Well, we are always interested in those. Okay. So imagine you're sitting at the dinner table. You you ask your husband this question: What um, what have you done today that you have not been thanked for? Ooh. Okay. What? So you ask. You ask your husband, you ask your child one, child two, then you answer. Next question is, what act of kindness did you see today? Uh, husband, child one, child two, then you. What act of kindness did you perform today? Husband, child one, child two, and you. What are you grateful for? Go around the table. What did you see? What did you notice today? Dad, I noticed you picked me up from school. You gave me a hug and a kiss. Son, I will always give you a hug and a kiss. And if any of the other kids say anything to you, just say, my dad loves me. Because they don't know what to say. Yeah. Next question is, um, uh, do, uh, what was amazing, great, funny, incredible about today? Go around the table. And the last question is, is there anything on your mind? One day my daughter said, dad, I'm having a problem at school. Great, we'll fix it. Next day, child one leads the exercise. Next day, your husband leads the exercise. Next day, child two leads the exercise. So the level of awareness is high. Mm -hmm. They have to be confident, respectful, uh, um, public speaker. And um, it's a beautiful gift. And if they have a problem, they're going to tell you. If they're sad or upset or someone said something to them, they're going to tell you because they feel confident and it's an easy process. I promise you this one exercise will change everything. I'll send you a link, uh, if, if I may, Absolutely. because I know that's a lot to take in. It is, and I'm like, okay, the good news is <laughs> I'm going to have this as a recording, and I'm going to get it transcribed for myself. Um, and, and Neil, um, if it's all right, I'd love to be able to put that process into the next Make It a Great Day book that we'll be publishing this fall. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So... There we go. So I will get that. And first, anyone who did not get the link for the ha myhappytest.com, I've put that back in the chat for you all. And now I'm going to put the link for this dinner conversation, the perfect dinner conversation. So now that those links are in there, you guys, everybody grab your hyperlinks. And while you're doing that, and Neil, I want to talk about the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is that the perfect dinner conversation assumes that a family sits down together for a meal. And while that may be happening more now that we are in the, the you know, stay home mode, it's not something that people were doing. They were not doing. And if they were in, at, at a table together, they had a screen on, whether it was an individual size screen or the television. You know, there were screens on. What you're suggesting is that people actually unplug and tune into their families for a meal. Yes, yes. I think that this disconnect between the expectation of having conversation and what we're starting to see more and more, which is there's a lack of connection and a lack of conversation. This is the healing of the world. It's why... My whole focus is on having conversations that matter because it was the lack of this kind of conversation that was the underlying missing foundation. 
that what wasn't underlying, it was what was missing in my world. And so if this conversation, I just, I appreciate you sharing it with us so much. I appreciate you giving me permission that I have on recording that I can put it into the book. Um, and this is the joy of this journey is that we are gathering and curating these very profound and very elegantly simple solutions to a problem people don't want to talk about. And so your willingness to come on and talk with me about it is just awesome. All right, questions, pop them into the chat and then we'll put a bow on this because I know that your time with us has some definite boundaries around it. Um, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you, thank you. Well, I'm delighted to know that you're on a mission to touch a billion people because we're going to help. You know, we're going to help. That's what this show is about. I'm on a mission to, my, my goal is not a billion at this moment. I'm starting smaller. I, mine's a hundred million. So a hundred million people. And I had a plan for how to do that. So I'll be sharing my plan later on today, but what's your plan for touching a billion people? Really, it's just to give, um, you know, if, 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 anyone asks me to, to talk, I'll just say yes, uh, because you never know who's listening. You never know who can make an impact. You never know who can help me. So uh, keep on saying yes. There's one sentence that changed my life, which is this, be so amazing you cannot be ignored. And if you are ignored, it doesn't matter because how you show up on this beautiful planet will be this amazing soul. Be so amazing that you cannot be ignored. I think the happy test, myhappytest.com is going to be used a lot. Sometimes we need like to give ourselves permission to be amazing, to even see ourselves as amazing, much less to let anybody else see that we might maybe could possibly be amazing. Sure. And it's not, it's not about us. It's about the difference that we make. You have to remove the ego. You know, and that's where the awareness comes in. Am I doing this for the ego or am I doing this because I want to do it? I want to give. Um, All right, let's give everybody a little bit of help. What's your definition of amazing? Um, So whatever you do. So, for example, you know, you go to a coffee shop, just be amazing. Talk to people nicely, help them. Uh, If you see someone needs help, help them, uh, open the door for someone, smile at them, uh, make them laugh. You know, just uh, I carry this with me on occasions. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah. Uh, just, just see, people will always remember how you make them feel. So just show up the best version of you. Got you know, it. forget about you. Serve other people. Make a difference in the world. There we go. So if you set a goal of making a positive difference in the life of one other person every day. If you've got a family, add one to whatever number your family is. Because I love what you said about the happiness test. My happiness test is that it gives you a number. And I know that if you can measure it, then you can move it. If you cannot put a number on it, it's an opinion, but it's not something that you can really work with to change. If it's a number, that's an objectable thing that you can actually notice improvement on. Yeah. And, you know, if you get if you get uh, uh, the older children to take the test, too, then you can see if, if there's a disparity there, too. 
Okay, older children. What age is an older child in your opinion? Because I've got people that are double digits, high double digits, that still behave like children. So what is your definition of an older child? Well, it's it's not age-related. It's maturity-related. So if, if, if you feel they're mature enough to answer the questions authentically and honestly, that's old enough. It could be 10, 12, 15, 18. Um, you know, they may lie a little bit, but, you know, they can't lie too much. So they're, they're, they're going to be caught out in a beautiful way. So here we go. The steps that come into your world when you go on this journey, taking the My Happy test, you're going to come into awareness. Your children, when they take the test, come into awareness. And the recommendation that I think I'm hearing, hey, adults, lead, go first, take the test first, gain your own clarity, your own focus, get these things in order, and then invite your children to take the test. And that's a big deal for me. Sometimes we push other people to do things that we haven't done. And everything that you said speaks to me in a big way of being a self-leader. We all want to help other people, but sometimes we got to start with helping ourselves and gaining awareness around what's really going on for you, what's true and not true, where in your life you could use a little more TLC, a little more time and loving care. So there we go. I love the My Happy Test. So. And I love the, the lines. And so we have a couple more minutes. Is there anything that you wish I had asked you? Um, let me see. You know, don't worry what other people think about you. You know, uh, don't be a football of other people's opinions. And remember, there is greatness inside of you. There is something very beautiful inside you. It's not about you. It's about the difference that you make. Sometimes you have to get out of your own way. And... Um, you know, just find out what you love to do and make sure that you do what you love to do and don't sacrifice. Uh, speak to the people that you love and tell them you love them. You said something in the middle of that. Everything that you said was a really positive, forward-moving statement except this one, and so it caught my attention. You said, don't sacrifice. And that's an awareness piece that's doing something you don't want to do because of some belief system that says do it even though you don't want to. So I'll invite people, if you're feeling like you're sacrificing your time, take a good look at what do you believe about what it is that you're doing? Where will that really make a difference? And would it make a bigger difference if you actually spoke with people about what was true for you? And and so I'm going to invite everybody to start with awareness, take the My Happy Test, get your number, talk to the important people around you, invite them to get their number. If they don't take the test, there's no shame in this game. Work on your own numbers. They'll get the message when they see you being happier. That's how you make it a great day. And Neil, thank you for making it a great day for me and for everyone on the show. Thank you. All right. I will let you leave because I know you got other places to be. But I cannot thank you enough. Have a have a happy. There we go. And make it a great day. Fantastic. Thank you, Jackie. Appreciate you. Take care.
Bye. So thank you all for being here. Stick around. We'll be right back.